Hi there, and welcome to Toxic Bliss, Surviving Narcissism, with me, Eowyn Reese. Today's episode is going to be a little off-topic and a little off-narrative. Instead of talking about my relationship with Mike, I want to talk about something that's brewing in Florida. But first, an announcement about the channel. Uh, I'm going on hiatus for two weeks. The next new episode will be the weekend of October 26th. Uh, I'm going to take the time and get a couple of episodes lined up. We're going to begin the second half of my life with Mike, which includes breaking free and starting a new life without Mike or any other narcissist around me. <laughs> it's going to be a great time. So I can't wait to get to that part uh, to show you that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and you can get away from these things if you do it right. But a couple of things have come up that I feel really should be addressed here in this podcast. For anyone listening to it, obviously going through narcissistic relationships is a thing. So there's a lot that's happening in the real world right now that's shining kind of a spotlight on this. Case in point, the Michael Wayne Jones Jr. case out of Florida. This is a man who murdered his wife and four children and did some really horrific things that I'm not going to get into the details of. But I want to look at the dynamics of the relationships in this person's life um, because it very clearly mirrors a narcissistic abusive relationship. Well, several of them. He, Michael, being the narcissist, has an ex-wife, Sarah, and his current wife, Casey, was the one that he murdered. Now, I do cover a lot of true crime stuff on the other podcast which the link is in the description below if you want that kind of coverage. Here, though, I want to talk about the narcissism present in that relationship and some warning signs that we can see, as well as talking about the ex-wife and all of her involvement, because that's, that's kind of a big story. It also mirrors my relationship with Mike pretty closely, terrifyingly closely. So, it's something that certainly triggered me and gotten my awareness, um, but I'd like to bring it to you as to say, here, this is how it can end badly. These are some things not to do. These are some warning signs. But also, one thing I've talked about since the very beginning of this podcast is that when you are the victim of narcissistic abuse, when you're, you are in the thrall of the narcissist, you do and say things that you would not normally do. Your actions reflect the level of the trauma bond that you have formed with your narcissist. And there's a lot of things I did that I am terribly ashamed of and embarrassed by. And I want to look at Sarah Jones through that lens because I think that's really important to understanding one of the key dynamics of these types of relationships. So here we go. First, I'm going to give you the overview of the case, and then we'll take a short break, and then we'll get into my assessment of Sarah Jones and her behavior and how it relates to my story and narcissism. So we have a man, Michael Wayne Jones Jr., who is married to Sarah Jones, and they work together at a veterinary clinic. Now, allegedly, Casey got a job working at the clinic as well, and Michael and Casey started a relationship. Lots of things happened, and he and Sarah ended up divorced, and Michael went with Casey. He and Casey got married. They had two children. She has two children of her own from another marriage, and then Sarah is left as the single mom 
raising her three children that she and Michael share. Eventually, Sarah decides to move from Vermont down to Florida to be closer to Michael so he can be involved in their children's lives. All right. And then one day, Michael shows up and asks if he can stay with her. And she lets him stay with her. Two weeks after that, he is discovered to have murdered his wife and four children from that marriage many weeks prior. All we know is that it was at least nine weeks after he had killed Casey that he was caught. We don't know the details about the murders of the children, and that's absolutely not part of this podcast, so we're not going to be talking about those details. But So he's staying with Sarah, and then he gets caught by the police um, with his wife's body in his van, which had been parked at Sarah's house for several weeks, so that's a problem. Um, and then Sarah finds out about this from the police, and of course, oh my goodness, I can't believe this, this is not possible, he would never do that, all of that sort of thing comes into play. It's a horrific crime, and the details of it are terrifying, and I won't go into those, but I really want to look at how this could have possibly happened. All right, one of the things we always want to know is why. Why did this happen? How could it have happened? Who could have known? Could it have been stopped? Right? Those are big questions that, that drive us in the true crime community. And when we look at this case, to me, it's blatantly obvious, the whys and hows and wherefores. So I want to talk about that here. But again, I need to say, this is my own opinion. These are my own speculations based on my own worldview and my own particular point of view. This is not fact or evidence or anything like that. But I think this case is a very clear and terrifying example of just how bad these narcissistic relationships can go. And it's important for us to understand them when we're trying to understand how to extract ourselves from these situations in our own lives. So we're going to talk about that a bit. Before we get into the specifics, though, I'd like to make a really important point. Nowadays, you can go on Google or YouTube and find thousands of hours worth of videos and articles about narcissism, how to spot it, how to deal with it, how to get yourself out of a relationship. And you may start reading all of these things and then feel like, oh, I know exactly how to handle this. You know, it, it can feel very empowering to understand what's going on, but it can also lead to some problems. Just because you may now be able to spot a narcissist a mile away, you may be able to recognize your partner as having these tendencies and realize you're in a relationship that you need to get out of. It's generally not a simple process. There's a lot at play here. There's a lot of dynamics. And it's not as simple as calling a normal boyfriend and saying, hey, I want to break up with you. Okay, bye. That's not how these things go. All right. So I'm cautioning anyone who's listening to this, that if you believe you are in a relationship with a narcissist and you want to get out of it, to proceed carefully. Get professional help before you do this. Talk to a therapist, a counselor, a psychologist. Um, if you feel that there may be a physical altercation, contact law enforcement, contact a domestic abuse violence hotline or a shelter. There will be people who will be trained 
to help you get out of the situation safely because it does not always happen safely. And that's something that's so important to understand. When you confront a narcissist about anything they've done wrong, and certainly if you confront them with the knowledge that you see through their mask now and you are exposing them for what they really are, you're placing yourself in grave danger. All right, please don't underestimate this. How many times have we heard this story? Oh, I didn't think he would ever do that. Nobody expected he was violent. Nobody knew he could kill someone. Yeah, well, that's what these situations are. Okay, so don't underestimate the narcissistic rage and the propensity for someone like this for actual violence, including homicidal violence. So be careful. Don't run and jump thinking you've got it all solved because now you know the 10 flags of narcissism. That's not going to keep you safe. In fact, that's going to make you more at risk because if the narcissist understands that you can expose them for what they are, they will want to stop that from happening at all costs. So, so if you need help, please reach out. The domestic violence abuse hotline number is linked down below in the description in every episode. So let the story that we're about to get into be a cautionary tale. Get help before you do anything. Let's take a quick break here and we'll be right back and we'll get into the Michael Wayne Stone Jr. case. All right, welcome back. This is going to be kind of a quickish episode because this isn't my story. I'm not telling you my story now. I'm telling you my interpretation and opinion of another story that's happening right before our eyes. So, the case of Michael Wayne Jones Jr. His ex-wife, Sarah, gave an interview on television. And I saw the whole uncut interview, and it was very, very telling. The main thing I got out of it was, oh, that was me about 20 years ago. And for someone who's been through a relationship like this, what's happening in this case is so obvious. All right. But again, this is just my opinion. These are not facts. But here's what I'm looking at. I thought to myself after watching Sarah's interview, I immediately recognized her as a victim of narcissistic abuse. And I say victim, not survivor, because she's still in the throes of it. She is not even aware of what's really happening, and she hasn't begun to heal from it and get out of it. So in my opinion, she's still a victim of this relationship. Now, when I was with Mike, there were many times when he would leave and go off to some other woman, and I would be left alone with the children, raising them on my own, hoping someday he'd come back. And there were times when I did things I'm very ashamed of, as I've said oftentimes in this podcast. Uh, when you're in the throes of a relationship like this, and you're in that narcissistic thrall, you will do and say things that you would never normally do, and that you know aren't right, but you'll do them anyway, because maintaining this relationship, or getting it back, or keeping it, is more important than anything else. So there were times when I would be manipulative or lie or be deceptive to try to get Mike back into my life. And I'm obviously not proud of that. And I don't think Sarah is either. From watching her interview, there's a lot of minimization language, a lot of deflection, and it really feels as though she's trying to downplay her role in everything, but also trying not to look like the crazy person. 
She says things like, oh, well, you know, the plan was never for him to stay here. And I hear things like that, and I'm thinking, right, okay. I see what she's doing. She doesn't want people to know the level of dysfunction that she was dealing with. She doesn't want to admit that she wanted this terrible family annihilator back in her life. She doesn't want to admit it to herself, let alone anyone else. And I totally get that. So I thought to myself, if I was with Mike and he had come back to me and his wife and their children were missing, how would I react? And it would depend on a lot of things, but most of it would depend on how readily I was willing to accept his story. Mike would have said, oh, she took off with the kids and I haven't seen him in a couple of weeks. Or... I just left because I got tired of her crap, so I just walked out. You know, if I believed whatever version he told me, then life could proceed with relatively little drama. But there is always that part of you that thinks, is that true? That doesn't sound right. Something's fishy here. And I'm sure Sarah had a lot of those doubts, and she might have asked some questions. But there is also the darker possibility here. Depending on where I was in my own psyche and my own life and how badly I had wanted Mike back, would I have lied or helped him cover up something like this? It's possible. Thankfully, I was never placed in that situation, but I can see it as a possibility. All right, so there is the possibility that Sarah helped him cover up this disappearance. Do I think Sarah knew that he murdered them? No, I don't. I honestly don't believe she knew about the murders because as much of a a thrall you can be in with a narcissist, there's some things that that just, no, there are lines. And I think having murdered innocent children and an innocent wife is a line that even Sarah couldn't have crossed no matter how much she wanted Mike back in her life. But that does remain to be seen. We're going to find out a lot more as this case progresses. And a lot of people are very suspicious about Sarah's level of involvement. So we're going to have to wait and see on that. But as of right now, from what I know, I think that she does not know that this family was murdered when she took him back in. But that remains to be seen. So I'm looking at this case as though I could place myself right in the middle of it. I can place myself as Sarah and see what happened. I can also place myself as Casey. Because remember, when I met Mike, he was married and had a child and one on the way. And I had no idea. But everything he had told me about Tina led me to believe that she was the crazy one and he was desperately trying to get away from her. So I can see it from Casey's point of view, too, Uh, which makes this so it's kind of a mind blowing experience to go through this case, but to be able to apply everything we know about narcissism and how these relationships work to this case that makes it so obvious of what happened, but more importantly, why it happened. There are rumors, and again, just rumors, that Casey was involved with narcissistic abuse survivors, groups, forums, Facebook groups, something like that. If that's true, then everything I said in the first half of the podcast could have been at play. Imagine she felt emboldened by learning about Michael's behavior and why he was the way he was 
and confronted him with that information, which turned into a fight. Once he realized that he would be exposed, he decided the best option was to kill her. So that could have been part of this, which is why I stress that so hard. Please do not confront your narcissist. It can be fatal. Now, thankfully, in my situation, it was not yet, <laughs> you know, but I do think sometimes that Mike is capable of something like this, that it's quite possible someday I will hear about him on the news having wiped out a family of his own. Um, maybe someday he'd come after me if he got angry enough. Certainly, if he discovered this podcast, that might be a problem. Um, and I've taken steps to make sure my home is secure and things like that. But it is a possibility. And hearing this case reinforced in my mind that that is most definitely a possibility. So we can't treat it too lightly. Your security and safety are far more important than the delicate feelings of the narcissist. But don't confront them without help. Prepare yourself because even getting out of a narcissistic relationship, you know, they can pop back up at any time. And we'll see that as we go forward with my own story. Anyway, that's all I really wanted to say today. Um, look at this case if you want to. We'll be following it. It's in our Discord server. Paul and I will be podcasting about it as new information comes out. And we'll see if it goes to trial. He's currently pled not guilty, which means there could be a trial, although that subject's changed. So I don't know. If it does go to trial, it could be years from now. So this could be all old news by the time that happens. But anyway... I'm going to get to work. I have a lot to do. We have a lot of new projects coming up. So please check out my YouTube channel, Paul's YouTube channel. We have a new channel starting. Um, there's just so much going on. So check us all out and follow all the links in the description below. And I will hopefully talk to you soon. The next formal episode of Toxic Bliss will be up on the 26th. Back to my story with Mike and how he comes back and what happens as a result. Because it's never just simple fun time, is it? Nope. So until then, thank you for listening and take care. I'll talk to you soon. People ask me what my secret is, I just smile and say.